0: You are listening to The Dan Patrick Show on Fox Sports Radio. Now, normally what happens when you have a dramatic win, like the Dodgers had previously, where they come back down 5-2, Cody Bellinger with the three-run homer, Mookie Betts, the game-winning RBI... And everybody thinks, okay, now's when momentum happens. And there's a baseball adage, a baseball saying, momentum is the next day's pitcher. Momentum is only as good as the next day's pitcher. Uh, Jim Leland used this back in the mid-'80s a lot. I'm not sure who gets credit for it. It might be Earl Weaver, former Oriole manager. But we keep thinking, oh, you got that momentum. Well, when you run into a good pitching staff or good pitcher, That's your your momentum stopper right there. You know, the lineups change. Everything, you know, the time you're playing, who you're facing, righty, lefty. You keep thinking that, oh, my gosh, we're blowing somebody out. Now we're going to start hitting again. And that wasn't the case again last night. Two hits for the Dodgers starters. And now your season is on the line. Game five, Braves at the Dodgers. The Astros rolled the Red Sox 9-1. And uh, they're now up three games to two. You know, I, I don't want Braves fans to take this personally, even though you have, because I keep hearing, reading, seeing where you're saying, why are you rooting for the Dodgers and the Astros? I don't have a rooting interest other than what is the story that I can tell nationally on this show. That's it. Dodgers, Astros, I can tell that story. People are interested in that story. The Braves are a good story. They picked up some players at the trade deadline who have been great. But it's not a national story. The Red Sox, they're not a national story. Good story, but not a national story. I just don't want you to take it personally. You know, it's not like I like the Astros. But I like the Astros in the World Series because it's a great story to tell. Given what has happened, if they face the Dodgers, it's a great story to tell. And I stopped rooting and I've said this before on the show, but for those who are new, I'll reiterate. Once I started doing this at ESPN, when I started doing this full-time, I put my allegiance to the side. I grew up a Reds fan, Cleveland Browns fan, later a Cincinnati Bengals fan. I don't root for those teams. Now, do I root for a good storyline? Jamar Chase and Joe Burrow? Absolutely. Joey Votto with the Reds? Yeah, it's a good story but I don't root for them the way I once did when I was just a fan. Give me the best story. Even if it means something bad happens to the Bengals or the Cincinnati Reds. So if it's the Dodgers and the Astros, I think it's good for baseball, but don't take it personally if you're a Red Sox fan. By the way, for you Red Sox fans who keep booing Correa, Altuve, and Bregman, you do know your manager was part of the cheating scandal. Just, just, I just want to let you know. Details. Yeah, I know. They're like booing El Tuve and Bregman, Correa. And then, uh, oh, that's right. Our manager was on the Astros in 2017. So just letting you know, it's kind of silly. You're going to boo those guys. Meanwhile, your manager, hey, he's our manager. Uh, this program is brought to you by PaniniAmerica.net. You want cards, the hottest rookie cards, biggest superstars, the old time greats. Only one place to collect them all Panini Trading Cards, Instant Classics, Autograph Cards, Memorabilia Cards, Rare Inserts, the hottest rookie cards. You can start or continue your collection now at Panini America, PaniniAmerica.net. Also, make sure you go to the DP Show store, danpatrick.com, the Justin Herbert inspired Chargers t shirt. Football is fun, and Aaron Rodgers still owns the Bears, plus a bunch of uh, T-shirts available at danpatrick.com. By the way, uh, the former Chicago Bear offensive lineman, uh, was it Owen Kruitz? Owen Olin Owen yeah. Olin Krutz. Olin Krutz. Um, He uh, was on the score in Chicago, and he was talking about Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers calling out the Chicago Bears saying, I own you and uh olin Croutz, the former bears offensive lineman had this to say
1: when you see aaron Rodgers run into the end zone and he he apparently was flipped off and he mm-hmm. tells the crowd i i still own you i still own you i've owned you my whole blanking life mm-hmm. how does that make you feel i like and, to punch him in his face Yes, yeah,
0: yeah. yeah i like to punch him in his face uh, when you see that, that's your first reaction, right? Um I don't care if you're right. I don't, you know, I don't care what his excuse is. That's just is your first reaction. I don't care if he, you know, I don't know. To me, that's that's a lame excuse at the podium. I saw some lady
1: flick me off and I blacked out. Look, 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 just just say you th- that's how you we all know. This is the kind of guy you are, you know, competitive. And that's the way you feel. And you have won a lot of games here at Soldier Field. Uh, and, you know, just because you're right, it doesn't make you right for doing it.
0: Okay. <laughs> <laughs> like, there's so many more important things than what Aaron Rodgers did. Not in Chicago this week. Oh, it's so sad. Sad. He does own you. All he did is reiterate that. Do you realize this happens all the time? It just the cameras were rolling on him. And Aaron Rodgers said, hey, I said this. Woman, flipped me off. And then you had people saying, nobody flipped you off. And then people had pictures of people flipping off Aaron Rodgers. It wasn't just one person. It was a couple of people, like eight or nine people. But uh, Olin Kruitz, who once punched one of his teammates, I believe, in the face. Um, but I he guess, didn't yell at the Packers crowd that week. Well, apparently his, uh, his teammate maybe didn't say, you know, I own you. But Wow. There are just so many other things so so <laughs> that are so much more important than this. Yeah, I'd punch him in the face. Okay, I mean, I would believe him. You know, he did sound serious, and he has punched a teammate in the face. Though so I, you know, but man, I saw that. And I was like, really? Did you see where Tom Brady congratulated Aaron Rodgers <laughs> on becoming a part-time <laughs> owner of the Chicago Bears? I <laughs> you know, thought that was great too. Hey, I want to congratulate Aaron. You know, he's, uh, he's a part time owner of the Milwaukee Bucks and the Chicago Bears. I love that. Yeah, Paul.
1: I was watching that clip of Brady, and he's got like notes. He had like jokes ready to go. I think he's got Jeff Ross or someone writing for him because he was like, you know, I found, look at Brady. And he kind of looks, peeks down his notes. I think he's got a joke writer. He's got some good material.
0: Yes, McLovin. Doesn't it feel like Aaron Rodgers seems awfully happy in Green Bay this year? Well, I did see this, whether it's true or not. Would the Packers consider trading Jordan Love? You want to say something to Aaron Rodgers? You want to have a nice olive branch, a nice Hallmark greeting card? You trade Jordan Love? Now, you better know that Aaron Rodgers is going to stay. (laughs) Because knowing Rodgers, would be like, hey, I didn't tell you to trade him. But uh, not that they're going to, and I don't know what the market is for him. But I saw where would they trade him? Uh, Deshaun Watson. I've been saying all along that Miami wants him, Philadelphia wants him, and also Carolina wants him. Now those coaches and GMs and owners have to, you know, give you the obligatory no. We're happy with who we have. No, they're not. If they can get Deshaun Watson, there's a lot of things in play here. I know that the owner wants Deshaun Watson in Miami. The question is, what do you give up? Is it conditional with Deshaun Watson once he gets traded? Does he get suspended? Which doesn't seem fair. Why not suspend him now? He's not playing, but he goes to Miami. Do you suspend him for eight games or however long you're going to suspend him for? And if you're Miami, can you ask the commissioner, is he going to, how long will he be suspended? If we trade for him, Is he suspended right away? Because he's not going to give his deposition in these civil lawsuits until February at the earliest. Do you make the trade? What do you give up? What do the Texans want in return? The other part of this is they don't want Tua Tonga-Vailoa. Now there's talk of a three-team trade. Maybe Washington, the Washington football team. Uh, Tua's brother plays at the University of Maryland, starting quarterback there. I don't know if that would factor in or matter to him. He wants to go where he's going to play. The Lions is also a possibility, from what I was told, because the previous regime did like Tua in Detroit. But I don't know. Texans don't want him. And the question is, you know, I think they like what they have in Davis Mills, rookie quarterback out of Stanford, at least right now. But there's no franchise-turning quarterback in this year's draft, in my opinion. There's, there's not one of those, oh, my gosh, let's tank for this. But the Dolphins, if you're going to make that trade, what do you give up? And is it conditional on how much he plays? Because he might not be suspended until 2022. And that might be best-case scenario. You don't know about the, the legalities of everything that's going on here. And can you, can you say to Deshaun Watson, we'll trade for you, settle these lawsuits? I, I don't know what's in play here. But, but there's a lot of questions I have. If I'm Miami, what, what am I trading for? What happens when we get him? What are the draft picks I have to give up? Because the Texans were still holding out. They wanted draft picks and they wanted starters. I don't know if you're going to lessen your your trade demands. But this has been percolating, and February 2nd is the trade deadline. Mike Florio has been all of, over this. Florio will join us coming up a little bit later on. Yeah, Paul. I,
1: I was wondering if the owner of the Dolphins could contact the league office, Roger Goodell, off the record and get information like, where are we, what's the status, what's likely to happen? There's, would that mm-hmm. be a competitive advantage if one owner knew and the rest didn't?
0: I don't think you could do it. If I'm the commissioner... Off I, the books, off the record... Nothing is off the books and off the record. It may feel like it when somebody says, Hey, off the record. Every time I've had somebody quote, not quote me off the record, they've quoted me off the record, you know, but doing it in a uh, kind of a clandestine way. Hey, off the record. No, it's not off the record because once I tell you, then you're going to tell somebody else. That's how it works. Then that person can use your quote. I can't off the record. I don't think you can go to the commissioner. i off the record here. Because the commissioner can't be giving a competitive... Because if Philadelphia wants him and Carolina wants him, then I know Deshaun Watson doesn't want to go to Philadelphia. I think he would go to Carolina. But I can't give the Dolphins a competitive advantage. Although the commissioner serves these owners, I think he would have to hear it from somebody who told somebody who then would leak it to the Dolphins. Yeah, McClellan.
2: Are we sure the NFL knows what it's doing with Deshaun Watson? No. I don't don't think they have the slightest. What's he going to tell
0: him? I don't think they know. No. Well, the commissioner could say that, um, you know, we're going to suspend him once he starts to play again. Or once this is cleared up, whatever happens with these civil lawsuits, then maybe he sits down for eight games. But I don't know when that's going to be. It, It could be next season to start the season. He's down for eight games. Um, the Dolphins have the 49ers pick, by the way. That's when they moved up. They wanted to take Trey Lance, and they got their pick. But they did give up their first-round pick to the Eagles so they could move up from 12 to 6 to take Jalen Waddell. Yes, Paul.
1: How are the Eagles not in play for this? They're desperate
0: for a star quarterback. He doesn't want to go there. Does Plain of simple. That, does he have that much? Yes, he still? has a no-trade clause. Oh, boy. Yes. Imagine giving a 24-year-old quarterback (laughs) a no-trade clause. What are you thinking? Well, you're the Texans. Yes, McLean. I don't Doesn't a team need to be win now? The Eagles are basically,
2: they're going to have to start from scratch. All their veterans are 100 years old. I don't know that Deshaun Watson's a great
0: fit there. They need to draft. He doesn't want to go there. Yeah. Doesn't matter if he's a great fit or not. He doesn't want to go to Philadelphia. Carolina, he would go to Carolina, from what I'm told. But Miami is the destination. And Miami is now desperate. I mean that that is a franchise with no identity, and they haven't had an identity for a long time. I mean, we still are living off Dan Marino fumes. Hey, throw in Chad Pennington if you want to, but like there there's nothing going on there. They need something. Yeah, pulling
1: for a star quarterback. Deshaun Watson's contract is kind of friendly. He's under contract completely for the next four years from whatever team gets him, and the average salary per year is about thirty-three million. Yeah, which and and they did not have to pay his signing bonus, so the team that acquires him only has to pay that salary, not any part of that early signing bonus.
0: Be sure to catch the live edition of the Dan Patrick Show weekdays at 9 a.m. Eastern, 6 a.m. Pacific, on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeart Radio app. He's Chris Mad Dog Russo, host of Mad Dog Unleashed on Sirius XM Radio. And he hosts High Heat on the MLB Network. Mad Dog, how are you? Hello,
2: Danny Boy. How you doing? Okay?
0: I'm doing okay. Uh, we were talking about uh, the World Series. And, and I, you know, I'm openly rooting for Dodgers versus the Astros because the storyline. Oh, I
2: totally agree. Totally agree.
0: But Braves totally. fans are getting upset with me. It's like, what do you have against us? I have nothing against you. You're a good story. You had some great additions at the trade deadline. But, you know, Freddie Freeman... Like you're not, we want star power or we want revenge. We want drama. And, you know, maybe we get Astros in the Braves. But do you get killed when you uh, are rooting yeah, for I a storyline? Yeah, I mean, occasionally
2: I do. And I'm with you a thousand percent. You are right on. That's the best one. Um, dodgers Houston. I, I don't think we're going to get it now. But I think dodgers Houston, uh would have been a superb series. Dodgers look like they've run out of gas. You know, their pitchers are tired. Turner's hurt. Uh, give the Braves a lot of credit last night. Uh, they jumped on him early. Aureus is, o- is tired. Bueller was tired. So, I mean, I, I I don't know. I think the Giants took a lot out of the Dodgers. I think all year, 106 wins, five games. I think it took a lot out of L.A. and the Braves are peaking at the perfect time. So, I'm with you. You're going to get probably, and I think Houston will figure out a way to win a game at home. So, I think you're going to get Houston, Atlanta, and you both, you and I, you know much better than me about ratings that is not going to light up America I think if it went deep and you got a sixth and seventh game I think those last two games would be good but next Tuesday night in Houston there comes Atlanta I don't know if uh, the TV sets are going to be turned on across the country so I got to be honest that's just the way it is but I do think it'd be a fun series there'd be a lot of runs Good weather, nice ballparks, but the world, America, Dodgers, Astros, we've been a lot of fun. Yes, fans get mad. They think if you go the other way that you hate their team. Just because you want a Dodger, Astro thing, Dan, doesn't mean you and I hate the Braves. No. We're looking at this from a different perspective, but the fan thinks if you don't talk about their team and their job they did, well, hold on now. That means you don't like Atlanta, so you're an anti Brave guy, which is not the case.
0: We always look at momentum. We're trying to figure out momentum. And you would have thought maybe the Dodgers would wake up after Bellinger's home run. Mookie Betts has the game-winning RBI. But what is the saying? Like, momentum is tomorrow's starting pitcher. I don't know if Earl Weaver uh, coined that phrase. But how do you explain the Dodger lineup that had two hits? The starters had two hits.
2: I can't and not only that again against the bullpen. I mean, so it's not like they were facing, uh, you know, Greg Maddox uh, circa ni- it's circa 98th. Two- I mean, they, I mean, they were facing, obviously, uh, I, I can't explain it. Um, I thought the Dodgers were definitely going to win last night. I did not take into account that Oris might be a little tired and he was. Uh, the Braves jumped out to nothing. You can sense right away that the Dodgers were in a little trouble once they got those two runs um you know they had that one opportunity and then of course he hit into the double play turner when he got hurt in the bottom of the seventh inning off the leadoff single but you know you're not going to come from five two down too many times in a row dan i mean the game the night before i mean out of the out of nowhere he hits a three-run homer in the bottom of the eighth you're not doing that every day and i'll tell you something else and i did not take into take this into account so blame this on me you know this is the third time now the braves and dodgers have played in the playoffs in the last three years 18, they played Dodgers 1-4. Last year, they were down 3-1 and a one. You're going to beat the Braves three times in a row, and then you're going to beat the Braves down 3-1 twice in a row? No, you know the way sports go. You know, sooner or later, the tide's going to go the other way. So the Dodgers look to me be an exhausted team. I think Atlanta will get by. And I can't explain last night. I'm with you thought that that was such a, ju- a huge joke on the night before that it would be a carryover, especially against the Braves bullpen. It didn't work out. Didn't work. That's why we love sports. It didn't work
0: out that way. I'm watching Houston against the Red Sox and uh, Framber Valdez is out there. And I keep waiting for the analytical department with the Astros to say, well, you got to take him out because he's gone more than four innings. Oh, my God, he's gone right. more than five. In, and I'm going, like, he's dealing. And, and John Smoltz even said, you know, sometimes it's just your gut feeling. Like, you, you ask your catcher, and, you know, you have different metrics there, but you're asking your catcher, you know, how's he feel? How's he look? Your catcher will be honest with you. But this, somebody goes seven innings, and it's Herculean. I mean, it, it used to be it was almost mandatory in big games.
2: I totally agree. I think that's hurt the sport a lot. Nobody gets wrapped up to see relievers pitch these games. The entertainment value. See, what baseball has lost, Dan, they've lost the great starter trying to get through a lineup the third time in a big game. You know, Verlander a few years ago against the Yankees in a a game six. Gibson against the Yankees. Pick anybody you want. You lose that. So what they do is they bring in the anonymous relief pitcher who nobody's ever heard of, who you can't pick out of a lineup, Oh, and by the way, after he faces three batters, we will bring another guy in to do the same exact thing. So the entertainment value of this sport with a big star pitcher. Imagine LeBron if we took him out in the fourth quarter because we feel that, you know, the fourth quarter, he's too <laughs> tired. So we're bringing – I mean, it's, imagine if Brady doesn't play in the fourth quarter of the playoff. I mean, that's what we've done with the great pitcher. But I agree with you about Valdez. And give Dusty credit. Bottom of the fifth, it's only one nothing. Bottom of the fifth. Base hit, hit batter, and he Dusty goes out to the mound. And, you know, nine times out of ten, the manager panics, brings in the reliever. Dusty basically tells him to settle down. Four or five pitches later, Renfro hits into a double play. They get out of the inning. And in the top of the sixth, the Astros scored three runs or whatever they scored, four or five runs. So uh, the, the it was a breath of fresh air watching this kid pitch yesterday. It really was a breath of fresh air. They needed that start in a worse way. But the, the the great starting pitcher that we all used to love, you and I as kids, Seaver, seventh inning against Rosen Bench in the seventy three postseason in Game One is a perfect example. As it turns out, those two guys hit home runs off him. But you get you know what I mean. Yeah. That great Hall of Fame starter, baseball no longer can give you that, and I think you and I think that's a major problem with the sport. It's unfortunate. That's the way the data scenario. You know, you got the kid riding a shrimp bike into the into the offices right out of UCLA, <laughs> just washes his hair with the Bruins sweatshirt on. And he tells, uh, you know, Andy Freeman, Andy, look at this data. Third time through the lineup against this team, the starting pitcher, you know, gives up a 285 batting average. Let's get them the hell out of the game. That might be good for their, you know, for maybe the front office. It's bad for the entertainment. There's no question about it. But do you it.
0: think, and I keep bringing this up, where somebody is going to be have a counterattack, an alternative style, hit and run? Uh, you know, you're going to be uh, maybe in a bigger ballpark, maybe steel bait, putting pressure that you must make something happen every time you get to the. It's almost like Patrick Mahomes, he's hitting home runs. But when you force him to hit singles, now you change the whole dynamic. The, the Titans run the football. Nobody wants to face them in the postseason. Does somebody, does a baseball team say, let's take advantage of our ballpark and play this style of baseball that will be different than anybody else? So you have to deal with us as opposed to the other way around.
2: 85 Cardinals when they ran all, yeah. all over the place yeah. with Vince Coleman and everything. That's another thing that Dusty did yesterday, Dan. It was good. Top of the sixth inning, Altuve walks. What's he do after that? He steals second base. And then they, uh, uh, (laughs) no, there was a play that he stole. It wasn't that one. But there was a play yesterday that he stole a bag, which is right after, which was a tremendous move because he caught the red side. I thought it was in the top of the sixth. Whatever inning it was, Dusty put on a steal sign and he got the bag stolen. Well, that's what it was. He was running on the ball that was hit the third base and Devers threw to Schwerber who dropped it yeah. and Otuve ended up all the way at third base because he's running with the pitch and Brantley hits a little ball down to third base. That kind of baseball we've missed. It's strikeouts or hit home runs where well, this has been discussed forever and it's it's unfortunate. And the other thing that that was surprising to me, and I, you know, think about it, the ratings, I get into the ratings Tuesday night that was a great baseball night Bellinger hits the home run and then the Red Sox and Astros it's two it's one one and it's two one Red Sox top of the eighth those ratings for those games you would think would be really good and they were decent four million but the NBA didn't do that much worse As a matter of fact LeBron and Curry at mm-hmm. ten thirty did like three and a half man and the Red Sox-Astro game did like 4.2. Wouldn't you think a baseball playoff game in, in our era would bury uh, an NHL or an NBA regular season? I know it's LeBron and Curry, but geez. Well, I go that's back.
0: Highest-rated individual game in World Series history. You know when uh, it
2: was? It, uh, yeah, it's the Red Sox-Reds, isn't it, in Game 6 when they had 75 million people watching it?
0: 1980, Game 6. Oh, that's the, yeah, you're right. Phillies Royals, Royals had a 40 rating. Yeah,
2: that's right. You Royal had uh,
0: Reds against the Red Sox was uh, almost a 40 rating. The Dodgers, uh, when they swept the Yankees. Um, in sixty in 63. 63.
2: 1986,
0: uh, the most viewed game, game seven, 1986, the Mets over the Red Sox. That had a 38.9. So, yeah, those are monster, monster numbers where now you're getting a, a, a you know, a, a 12, maybe, and you're happy with a, a 12. Uh, yeah, you know,
2: I, I I think baseball in each town can produce that. The problem that baseball has is that, you know, if the Pirates are in the World Series, the Pirates locally will get that kind of rating. But the problem is Pittsburgh doesn't care About Dodgers Braves so they get no carryover in other words and if the Steelers are out they care about Green Bay Tampa or they care about you know Kansas City and Buffalo in the AFC championship game they're gonna watch the towns in which their teams have been eliminated they don't get into the next round when their team isn't in it and I think that kills the rating because you know locally if your team is in the postseason in baseball, your rating is going to be great. They're watching the games in Boston, Houston, Atlanta. But when their team is out and they're not in the postseason, they'll follow it. They know what's going on. But they're not going to sit there for three and a half hours and watch the game. What about gambling, ago, though, Chris? You know, a- they don't gamble. Who's gambling in the base? They don't gamble that much with the baseball. Yeah, I was wondering. It's not like, it's, yeah. Yeah, it's not like the football. Yeah, Football, they gamble everything. First quarter, second quarter, points, overs, prop bets, catches by receivers, you know, halftime. They do everything. Baseball, they don't do that as much. And I think that I think, you know, I think that's a major factor. I don't think it's the local, I think the fan interest is great. I just don't think the fan interest, once their team is out of it, it there's no carryover. While in football, there is. And I think that hurts to, and that's that hurts the sport. And I don't know how you solve that. How do you solve that problem? I don't know how you solve it.
0: He's Chris Mad Dog Russo, Mad Dog Unleashed on Sirius XM. uh, That's channel uh, 82 and host of high heat on Major League Baseball Network. Had Bob Costas on yesterday. And he was talking about gambling. Um, His dad, of course, used to be a bookie. Oh, I know. And And I said to him, okay, you got one Hall of Fame vote. Pete Rose, Roger Clemens, Barry Bonds. You know who he took?
2: Uh... I, I, if he had one, he should have taken Rose. Did he take him?
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah. Rose, yeah. Bonds, Clemens.
2: Yeah, uh, I can buy that. Yeah, I, I think the same order. See, if you take Bonds, you got to take Clemens. So you, if you only have one, it's you know they're both Group Bonds and Clemens with the same steroid brush. Yeah. So it's hard to differentiate. Yeah, the fact that Rose isn't in the Hall of Fame. I I, listen. I mean, we all know that Rose at times we understand, you know, he's not uh, a choir boy. We get that. And Rose, you know, uh, uh, you know, was bad what he did, but Rose bet as a manager, not as a player. And we're putting him in the Hall of Fame as a player. Plus Rose never bet on his team to lose. And if anybody thinks it's the same thing, they're nuts. The 1919 19, 19, 19 White Sox bet on their team to lose. Rose never did. Rose is too competitive to ever want to lose. So, he bet, so to me, that's a huge difference. Now, I don't know how you feel about it. Betting is bad anyway. If you're involved in a sport, I'm not denying that. But there is a major difference. You know, I'm going to throw the game to lose. Then you know what? I'm going to bet on myself because I'm going to win. There's a
0: major difference. Yeah, but I can't put Pete in until I put Shoeless Joe Jackson in. That's fair too. I mean he had 375 in a series where, you know, he was re- you know reportedly took money. I mean imagine if bucks. Yeah. yeah. I mean, imagine if he didn't take money what what he would have hit, you know. That's an
2: excellent point. That's but, an excellent point. Uh, uh, Joe Jackson had a great World Series. The problem is he took 500 bucks. But he had a great World Series. So how do you <laughs> – it's very hard. That is very, very hard to differentiate. But, listen, does anybody think that Pete Rose – and here's the other thing that drives me crazy. We got everything from the Big Red Machine in that Hall of Fame. We got Pete's cleats. We got his bat that he used to beat Ty Cobb. We have everything that you want. We got the hitting streak when he hit from 44 straight. Everything you want about Pete Rose. You want his glove. You want his uniform. You want to cleats. You got everything you want by Pete Rose. Oh, but by the way, we're not going to put Pete in. So we can walk through Cooperstown and see everything that has got paraphernalia that relates to the big red machine and Pete Rose, but Pete doesn't get a day. Now I, I really,
0: I mean. But don't you think big... he's benefited more, Chris, by not being in the Hall of Fame? Because if Pete got in the Hall of Fame, no one would care.
2: He does keep his name in circulation. He's made more
0: money by not being in the Hall of Fame.
2: I, you know, you can make the argument yeah. because people are so curious and they feel that, but let's face it. Let me ask you a question. Right. Should Pete be in the hall of fame?
0: I, I view it as he, he cheated in grad school. So I can't take away his undergraduate degree until I, I, if I think that he bet on baseball as a player, then I would not have him in the hall of fame. Now I've said this before on my show my bookie used to take some of Pete's bets when I used to bet. So I knew what Pete was doing and how frequent he was doing it and how bad he was. Do I think that he bet as a player? Absolutely. Is there any proof? No, not that I've heard, but as a manager, I I can't take away what I saw on the field. I, you know, it's like Reggie Bush with a Heisman trophy, Uh, you know what he did off the field he still won a Heisman on the field. You can take it away. He's still a Heisman Trophy winner. That's a good point. And, and yeah, Pete, good point. I, I just, I got to see him. I grew up in Cincinnati. I mean, we loved Pete. You know, we wanted to wear number 14. We we slid head first, like everything about it. I just, um, Pete never read the room well, Chris. If he read the room, he would have thrown himself on the sword and said to Bud Sealy. Oh, say 100%. Like, oh, yeah. He, oh, he just needed to do this. And I've talked to Commissioner Seelig about it. I'm going to go through the minor leagues on my own dime and talk about the dangers of gambling. I'm I'm going to do that because, you know what, I need to give back to the game. Pete just never thought that he 100%. had to lower himself. And and I think he would have gotten in. Or...
2: Oh, I agree. No, that you're right. I mean, if Pete in 1990 threw himself at the mercy of the court, we would not be having this discussion. No, we would not. And Pete didn't do that. No. And Pete... You know, but I could also make the argument, it has been 30 years. Yes. He's 80 years old.
0: Yeah.
2: Really? I, I think it mean, gets I in.
0: Is, I, I think it's posthumously, Chris. If he gets in, it's going to be posthumously. I, well, I, you know,
2: they didn't put Joe... You made a great point. They never put Joe Jackson in, and he's been dead forever. 1951, 1950, whatever it was. Yeah, <laughs> in Columbia, South Carolina. Yeah. So they didn't put him in. Uh, you know, here's the thing that always bothered Pete. I had him in studio a couple of years ago. That's fascinating. You know, when his kid... Made his debut in Major League Baseball. You know, they wouldn't give Pete a pass. Yeah. He had to buy a ticket. Yeah. No, 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 hold on now. I know. It's Pete's kid.
0: Pete also had money on the game, though, Chris. Yeah. (laughs) 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 Maybe he did. Uh, Oh, keep stirring it up there, Mad Dog. Great to talk to you. Thank Thank you, buddy. That's uh, Chris Mad Dog Russo. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all
1: of our shows at FoxSportsRadio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live.
2: Hey, I'm Doug Gottlieb. The podcast is called All Ball.
0: Mike Florio, Pro Football Talk Live co-host, joining us on the program. Mike, good morning. How are you? I'm doing great, Dan. How are you? I'm doing okay until I just got the word. Carson Palmer wants his Heisman back.
3: You can have mine. Yeah? Yeah, you got one? Yeah, no. Yeah. I don't have anything. I don't have anything that you would ever want, so you don't have to worry about that.
0: Do you have any trophies on your mantle? No. None.
3: (laughs) I I have none. None. (laughs) I could say something smart or funny or cute. I have none. I have
0: nothing. I'm an embarrassment to everyone. All right. Uh, Why is this report on Deshaun Watson feel a little more real than what we heard maybe a couple of weeks ago?
3: Well, we're getting closer and closer to the deadline for 2021. And look, back in late August, early September, this was pointing toward a transaction between the Texans and the Dolphins. The problem is the Dolphins refused to blink when it comes to what the Texans want. And the Texans refused to blink when it comes to what the Dolphins wanted to give. So it fell apart, but it continues to linger. It's going to happen either after the season or it's going to happen between now and November 2 at 4 p.m. Eastern. I think what happened yesterday was an effort by the Texans to get the word out to anyone else who may want to come to the table. We you know, a few weeks ago, The Panthers may have not been interested. Now maybe they are. A few weeks ago, the Broncos wouldn't have been interested. Now maybe they are. Let's see. Will the Eagles come to the table? Let's see. Because if others come to the table, price goes up. And it may get Stephen Ross, who badly wants to make Watson a Miami Dolphin, finally say to the Texans, fine, we'll give you what you want. The Texans don't want to relent because they don't look at it as a one or a two-year trade they look at it as a 10-year transaction so you shouldn't worry about what you give us now whether or not he's going to be available in the short term he's going to be your quarterback for 10 years so give us what we want because you're getting a franchise quarterback that's going to change potentially
0: the fortune of your team but if you're the dolphins what do you need to know before you make this deal and what can you know before this
3: you know the the, the most important question is what happens with the grand jury that's eventually going to hear the 10 criminal complaints that have been made against Watson. The 22 civil complaints, they're not going to be resolved, but they're not nearly as troubling because you're not going to go to jail over the outcome of the 22 civil complaints. The most pressing question, Dan, is if the Dolphins would trade for him today and then want to put him on the field on Sunday against the Falcons. I mean, that that's extreme, but they would want to Have him at practice. They'd want to have him ready to play in games. What will the league do? We reported several weeks back that the league has not made any decision about paid leave for Deshaun Watson because it doesn't have to. The Texans already have him on paid leave. He's getting paid. He's not playing. The league doesn't have to do anything. Why make a decision about paid leave when you don't have to? But the moment he'd be traded, to a team that wants to put him on the field, that's when the league would have to activate its own process and make a decision. Do we put him on paid leave or do we not? And I think it would be naive to overlook the body blows that the league has been taking over the Washington football team investigation, the email scandal and everything else. How does that factor into the broader PR assessment of what do we do with Deshaun Watson now that he's in a position where he's playing with these charges pending against him?
0: Okay, but how do you suspend somebody Who doesn't have criminal charges pending?
3: Well, there's enough language in the personal conduct policy to give the NFL the discretion based upon what they already know, based upon the investigation they've already done. If they want to come to the conclusion that it's possible that Deshaun Watson may have violated one or more of the terms of the personal conduct policy, they can say you're on paid leave. And the NFL doesn't view that as punishment. As wrong as that is. Football players want to play football, but they don't view telling a guy you get paid to not play as punishment. They view it as no big deal. Well, it is a big deal for guys who want to play football and for the teams that want them to play. But so why not suspend
0: him it, now, though, Mike? Why? Like Because there's no reason to do it. Why
3: do it? Why, why make a move? Why create a news cycle? Here's what happens. If they would put him on paid leave now, because that's what this is. Suspension with pay under the personal conduct policy. You create a headline. You create an AP story that ends up in every newspaper and on every website. We're talking about it. How's the NFL justify putting Deshaun Watson on the commissioner exempt list when no charges have actually been finalized against him? But there's no reason to do it. There's no reason to do it. And I had someone from the league office explain this to me. Why make a step that could be a misstep when you just don't have to do it? The Texans are already paying him to not play.
0: We reached out to the Texans and we said, why isn't Deshaun Watson playing? And and we said, whose decision? No response.
3: Yeah. Well, he doesn't want to play for them. They don't want him to play and get injured and diminish the trade value. I think at some point it was just decided mutually, this is where we are. We're going to pay you to not play. We're going to trade you. And I think they've been leading him to think it's coming, it's coming, it's coming. The question is, Do they get it done before November 2, or do they kick it over to next year? I think that they run the risk, if they don't trade him by November 2, that he shows up and says, I'm ready to go. Let's go play some football. Now, I don't know that he's inclined to do that, but they run that risk because I think they've been telling him, we'll get this done. And that window closes in 12 days.
0: Nobody wants Tua? Like what happens to Tua Tonga-Vailoa if Deshaun Watson ends up in Miami?
3: Well, if Deshaun Watson ends up on paid leave, you need to, at least for the rest of the season. Now, he's got that rookie wage scale salary and cap hit, and it's not as difficult as it would have been 10, 15 years ago from a cap standpoint to move him. But yeah, then you got to ask yourself, where, where does he go? And who's going to give you anything of value for a guy who who is showing us one week at a time that he's not gonna be a franchise quarterback. That's what this all comes back to. They picked Tua over Justin Herbert. And the Tua Mafia is starting to relent, I think, after the month that he missed with the broken ribs and how he played. I mean, they they, they lost to the Jaguars, they're up 10 points. They lost to the Jaguars who hadn't won a game in 20 straight. I think people are starting to realize Tua is not going to be what the Dolphins are looking for, which is basically their next Dan Marino, and they've been trying to find him for more than twenty years.
0: A lot of revisionist history with Justin Herbert, like he wasn't a sure thing.
3: I I know, but it's amazing to me, Dan, and and I don't get too deep into the weeds pre-draft because we're trying to cover the whole league and everything that's happening. But you know, you've met Tua, I've met Tua. I, I just I, Tua is short. And Tua isn't built like a Russell Wilson or a Drew Brees. He's got a slight build to him. He had the injury questions coming in. I don't see how anyone wouldn't have decided to do an extra deep dive on Herbert versus Tua because Herbert's got the size, he's got the physique, and obviously he's been the better pick. And and I think the Dolphins just viewed it as a no-brainer. Here's Tua. We want Tua. The other guy they wanted was Joe Burrow. They couldn't get the Bengals to trade Out of number one, there was never a discussion about the Dolphins wanting Justin Herbert, and it should have at least been a discussion.
0: Yeah, and I I go back to the draft, and I had a source who said, you know, one thing you have to understand is, how do you assess an Alabama quarterback? Because he has first-round draft picks. They get open. You don't have to throw them open. And Mac Jones dealt with this. They don't throw receivers open. They're open. You get to the pros, you must throw a receiver open. And, you know, Dwayne Haskins had this at Ohio State. That's why it's hard sometimes when you look at this, it goes, uh, how how good is that quarterback? Um, Justin Herbert has the arm to throw a receiver open, and Tua does not.
3: And part of it, too, is you don't see those skills on display until you get to the next level, yep. and the challenge becomes more difficult. Do you rise up to it? One of the knocks on Deshaun Watson coming out of Clemson, too many interceptions, and good luck cutting down on the interceptions when the window for getting a guy, the football, shrinks. Well, you know what happened to Deshaun Watson? By necessity, he got more accurate at the next level. So a lot of it is you don't know what's going to happen until they get there. But the warning signs were there with Tua, but Stephen Ross wanted Tua, and there was no one in the organization with the ability to push back on Stephen Ross. And now Stephen Ross wants Deshaun, and I feel like he's going to get him unless somebody else swoops in and says to the Texans, we'll give you what you want and
0: send Deshaun our way. We're talking to Mike Florio, Pro Football Talk Live, co-host with Chris Sims, the show that precedes this on Peacock. The Baker Mayfield situation is interesting because he's going to, I guess Ian Rappaport said he's going to need surgery on that shoulder at the end of the year, but he's going to try to play through this. Have you? Do you have enough of a sample size where if you're the Cleveland Browns, you say, okay, that's our franchise quarterback moving forward, and we're going to pony up million a year?
3: No, absolutely not. And I I laughed in the offseason. They asked Browns general manager Andrew Barry whether or not the Jared Goff and Carson Wentz contracts become cautionary tales for the Browns, and he said no. I think he had to say no. You know, the problem is Baker is headstrong. He's a little prickly. He he wants to take charge, and he views himself – as being a great quarterback and that confidence has served him well. But if you look at his press conference from earlier this week, when he basically acted like it was his birthright to be the quarterback of the Browns and it's up to him and no one else, yeah. whether he's going to play with this injured shoulder. I couldn't believe that he said that because it's not up to him. And at some point he is sufficiently diminished while he's trying to play with a harness on and a shoulder that keeps popping out, and popping back in. He's sufficiently diminished where it makes more sense to go with the backup. In case Keenum has proven he can get it done, especially when working with Kevin Stefanski. They went to the NFC Championship together in Minnesota four years ago. So with Baker, now the bigger question is, what do you do? And Dan, this is something that kind of flickered for me yesterday. You look at the veteran quarterbacks out there that are looking for a Tom Brady scenario where they can go somewhere where the team has everything but Me, whether it's Russell Wilson, whether it's Aaron Rodgers, one of these veterans that is dissatisfied with the current situation, wants to go to a place where the deck is stacked in their favor to win. The Browns become very attractive. They'd have to move on from Baker, but the Browns become attractive. And Russell Wilson, by the way, was born in Ohio. Wouldn't that be a story if Russell Wilson? And remember, it was back in 2018 that there was some talk about the Seahawks trading Wilson to the Browns, for the first overall pick that became baker mayfield so get ready for that because i think that's going to be coming in the offseason.
0: but i think seattle would have taken josh allen well
3: you could hey look you could make the argument that josh allen's the best of that pack it's either him or lamar jackson and, i was and just that. told five, that
0: seattle did so much homework on josh allen that they were going to take josh allen if they made that move their number one pick they're taking josh allen
3: five quarterbacks taken in that first round two of them clear cut and the other three. Well, look, we know Josh Rosen, done. Sam Darnold, who knows? Baker Mayfield. The
0: only fair assessment at this point is who knows. Why would Aaron Rodgers leave the NFC North when you you pencil in four wins? You got the Bears and the Lions. You got four wins, and you'll take one of the two games against Minnesota. So you got five wins guaranteed. Why would he well, want? Why would he want to leave that? I, I, you know, he, he laid out all
3: of his concerns when he showed up for training camp, and I don't think those concerns automatically go away for a guy who's as headstrong as Aaron Rodgers. If there's a better opportunity out there for him to add to his legacy, these guys want to add to their legacies. You know, I, I say this all the time. When there's a kid who's like eight or nine years old and he always has to win at everything he does, we're like, that's a distasteful quality, Jimmy. Let other, let the other kids have a turn. Let the other kids win from time to time. But when they're adults and they're playing football, we worship that mindset where I gotta win at everything. I gotta win, I gotta win, I gotta win. I've gotta win. It's not enough that I'm good and I contribute to the cause. I want to go to a place where everything is lined up in my favor to win. And if there's another opportunity like that out there for Aaron Rodgers, I mean, he wanted to go to the 49ers. Could you imagine how good the 49ers
0: would be if he was their quarterback and not Jimmy Garoppolo or Trey Lance? So don't you think it comes down to, you know, maybe Tom Brady saying, are you going to stay with that bleep? And he was talking about Garoppolo in San Francisco. If they were going to move on, they've been trying to move on. Or maybe he was talking about Trubisky with Chicago. I don't know. Tom Brady wanted to play for the 49ers, and the
3: 49ers said, no thank you. And I think all this kind of strange dysfunction we've seen from the 49ers this year, where they trade up from 12 to 3, and they want Mac Jones unless they don't, and they take Trey Lance, and is he going to start, and what's up with Jimmy? I think they have freaked themselves out with torment because they could have had Patrick Mahomes in 2017, it took Solomon Thomas instead, because they thought they were getting Kirk Cousins the next year, and between (laughs) – the draft and free agency, they traded for Jimmy Garoppolo. And then they had Tom Brady wanting to come home and play for the team he rooted for growing up. He was at the catch game. He wanted to come back. And, you know, what did the 49ers see last year in the Super Bowl? Mahomes and Brady. And I think that freaked them out. And they're still trying to recover from that.
0: And then Aaron Rodgers, you know, I think Aaron Rodgers thought maybe the Rams or maybe the Niners, that that's where he was going to think it, that he was told hey, that.
3: Dan, I think he was told that the Packers were going to trade him. And at some point between January and April, they changed their mind. And I think that's one of the reasons why this went to DEFCON 5 or DEFCON 1, whatever the worst one is. I can never remember. But that's why, one of the reasons why, in late April, this blew up. Because I think he was led to believe they were going to trade him. And then they eventually said,
0: sorry, we can't do it this year. The man who has no awards, Mike Florio. None whatsoever. Girl Football Talk Live. Well, you know, Maybe one day, maybe one day, Mike. Yeah, maybe. I don't,
3: I've, I've, nah, nah, I, I seek and will accept no external praise. Once you know, you're not going to get it. It's very easy to take a stand
0: on principle and say, you don't want it. It's like the coach right? who takes himself out of the running for the job that he knows he's not yes. going to get.
3: I know that I will never get a vote, for example, like on who gets into the hall of fame. So I take a stand on principle that I don't want. <laughs> don't give it
0: to me. I don't want it. Thank you, Mike. You're not going to give it to me anyway. See you then. That's Mike Florio, Pro Football Talk.